And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to Prospects to Pros on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Dane Brugler, as always, joined by Lance Zerline. 2021 NFL Draft is in the books. Uh, my 2022 mock draft's already out there, which is just ridiculous and dumb, if we're being honest. But uh, I still hope you all read it. But look, this is about recapping uh, what just happened over the weekend. It's, it was an interesting three days. Uh, it was a fun three days. Uh, and it, what's interesting is, Lance, you and I were both doing live coverage of each pick. So I don't think either of us really had a chance to hear each other's reactions to this draft yet, which uh, should make this fun. I mean, knowing you, I have a few ideas of what you liked and maybe what you didn't. But let's just start with which team's draft class did you like the best? You know, when you look through what some of these teams did from start to finish, and obviously some of these teams had a built-in advantage with you know four or five picks in the top 100, but was there a class, a team that really mm. stood out as maybe your favorite? Yeah, so it's kind of, and you know this, you, you kind of compartmentalize draft draft classes according to the amount of picks, how you maneuvered. Did you, you know, what was the value? I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can look at it, but I thought some teams that stood out to me, um, I, I, I really like what the Denver Broncos did mm-hmm. because in their first three picks, I thought they got three very good football players. Pat Sertan in the first, they maneuvered up for Javante Williams in the second, and then they grabbed Quinn Miners and picked number 98 of the entire draft. And I, I'll even go a step further. Uh, Baron Browning in the third round, pick 104. So I thought in the first three, first four picks, they got four starters. And I think they got some really good football players there. Um, and then, you know, I'm a fan of Jamar Johnson from uh, Indiana. I think the reason he fell is because he's not a good tackler. And, and I heard he didn't have a great workout, which probably hurt him. But I think he's a pretty good value there. And then Kerry Vincent. Kerry Vincent is a very talented athletic cornerback, uh, extraordinarily fast. He's he, the technique is not great. And look, <clears throat> he might not end up being anything, but at the seventh round, I think that is a great value for a player that I know some teams thought maybe had fourth, fifth round talent. I, I'm not sure that everyone was on board completely with the football character, but I thought they had a really good draft personally, Dane. That was one team that stood out. If you want to comment on that um, right now, before we go on. Sertan, I mean, getting him, I I was a little surprised just because when you look at what they added in free agency with Kyle Fuller and Darby and, uh, you know, they they had the look like their cornerback situation uh, in a good spot where they didn't have to go that direction. But, you know, you add a player like Patrick Sertan to the mix and, uh, you know, that's never a bad thing. And then, yeah, to get in front of Miami at pick 35 to get Devontae Williams and... 
you know, Quinn Miners, I mean, I, I know you liked him more than just about anybody out there. Um, but I mean, I still, I was shocked he fell out of the second round. I, I thought too. for sure yeah. he'd go top 64. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to get him at 98, I mean, I, and you look at Denver's interior offensive line, it's not really a need. But at a certain point, you just don't keep passing on the guy. So, you know, it's kind of like the Cowboys and Jabril Cox in the fourth round. You know, at a certain point, you just don't keep passing on good players. So, yeah, I'm with you. I love that pick. Um, my favorite. I, I, I also, by the way, I think it also puts Lloyd Cushenberry on notice a little bit. And I know he's just sure. a rookie last year, but Quinn Miners can play center or guard. I'm, obviously, they're going to look at him at guard first. And Cushenberry is a, a a fantastic processor, highly intelligent, great you know, the, he's a very smart player in the middle, in the pivot, which is something that you want. But I do think he has some athletic limitations where, where minors is going to be better in that particular area. Um, we've seen with the way the guys are handling, with teams are handling fifth-year options right now. Listen, there's no guarantee that Lloyd Cushenberry is going to be a starter after next season. So that's one of those picks where you say, just because you draft a player last year, it doesn't mean that you have to ride it out for a certain amount of time before you're eligible to draft that position again. If you want to keep drafting players that you think are good players. Yeah, no question. Um, uh, and I, what I did was instead of doing draft grades, I ranked one through 32, my favorite draft classes, obviously very subjective to my, you know, my uh, own personal beliefs and evaluations. Um, but uh, you know, hopefully people go check that out. Number one on that list for me, uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I, I loved what they did going up to get Devonte Smith. You get that, uh, that weapon for your offense. And then in on day two, get Lander Dickerson in the second round, Milton Williams in the third round. And then I thought they just crushed it on day three with Zach McPherson, the corner out of Texas tech. Who I thought was very underrated throughout the process. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, I thought he went about two rounds later than he should have uh, the USC defense tackle, Marlon Tuya Pelotu. Uh, who's just going to be quality defensive line depth uh, in the middle. Teron Jackson, same type of thing. Jacoby Stevens, and then Patrick Johnson. So I, I loved what, what Philadelphia did to me. They were my fa- uh, favorite draft uh, of the 32. That's and a great point. Part that- of it, Landon Dickerson needs to stay healthy. That's obviously a big yeah. part of this. But if he does stay healthy and on the field, I mean, even just from day one, what he's going to bring to your team you know, from a leadership perspective. And I mean, he's going to make that unit better right away. Milton Williams, you know, there's some Malik Jackson there who, you know, we know the Eagles, uh, you know, liked a lot when he was in Philadelphia. So I, I, I love what Philadelphia did in the draft. I think you make some really good points. And something I want to point out is that Devonte Smith, Landon Dickerson and Milton Williams have not good, but exceptional football character. Yeah. I mean, Devonte is one of the the toughest, most focused football players that you're going to find. Landon Dickerson changes culture in locker rooms and on practice fields with, with the way that he uplifts and the way that people come together around him. And then Milton Williams, a guy who was, you know, in the day that he put together one of the best workouts in the history of defensive linemen, he was taking tests, online tests that morning before his workout, trying to finish his college degree. He was writing papers for that class. That guy is extraordinarily focused on accomplishing his tasks 
and his goals. Zach McPherson had a great workout, as you mentioned, has some ability. Gainwell, really buttery smooth, good football player. You mentioned Tui uh, Pelotu, Taron Jackson, tough guy. Patrick Johnson with the last pick in round seven, tough guy that I thought was really more of a, a fifth round pick and a guy that I, you know, I kind of like. And Jacoby Stevens had a phenomenal workout, could end up being a special teams player for you. That's a really good. That's a really good pick because when you look at the football character and talent in the first two days and then the tough guy football players who all have a chance to compete for a roster spot, that's a really good addition. I want to see what you think about one of my teams, and that's kind of in similar vein, the L.A. Chargers. Yeah. So the Chargers, one of the things that really stood out, look, Asante Samuel, I wasn't as high, although 47 I thought was pretty good value for Asante Samuel. And I wasn't a big Trey McKitty guy, but beyond that, when I look at their draft, I think their entire draft of two, four, how many players we have two, four, six, eight, nine picks. It wouldn't shock me if eight players make this roster and possibly the entire nine man class, they got guys who fit. It's just an interesting fit across the board. Rashawn Slater, we know it fits a huge need for them, which is pass protection, and which is better tackle play. Asante Samuel, another cornerback who could play inside, outside. Josh Palmer, uh, a wide receiver who can give you a little more of a vertical look, just a little different flavor to the to the ice cream cart that they have. McKitty is an athletic tight end. Chris Rumpf is a designated pass rusher type rusher that they don't. They just haven't had that guy pop on the other side of Bosa. Brendan, uh, is it Hymas? Hymas, yeah. Hymas is a guy who can play swing tackle for you and might have guard value. So he's going to be a backup offensive lineman. Nick Neiman, ascending linebacker prospect with plus special teams ability for a team that was awful on special special teams. Larry Roundtree. I thought Larry Roundtree had some really good tape this year. I think he'll compete for a running back three spot. And then Mark Webb, I'm not as big a fan of Mark Webb's from a coverage standpoint, but he's physical, he's big, and another guy who could end up being a backup safety maybe and special teams performer. Yeah, and he's still learning. He was a wide receiver when he got to Georgia, and so he's still learning and growing. And uh, you know, in the seventh round, yeah, you know, take a flyer on him. I, I agree with you. It, it, the Chargers came in at number five for me, so a top five class for me, just uh, among my favorites. I'm sure they felt a lot of pressure about trading up to get Sewell or trade up for Slater, uh, but they stayed put at 13 and they got their guy. So I, they had to feel great about that. But then on day two, you come away with Asante Samuel again, staying put, and you know you still get a, a really talented cornerback who uh, you wish you were a little bit bigger. But his ability, his instincts, his reaction quickness, outstanding. Josh Palmer, uh, surprised he went maybe ahead of some other wide receivers. But still like the player, you know, late third, early fourth. That's where I thought he was he was going to go. You know, I got it's the toughness is off the charts. Uh, he can win vertically. Uh, you know, he 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 does add a little bit something that maybe they don't have on the roster already. And then, you know, McKitty, 97 seemed early for him. But I did like him as, uh, you know, a guy that can block, that can, you know, that was underutilized as a pass catcher down the field. Uh, there, there is more there. Uh, I, I know you love that Rumpf pick, that one of your yeah. guys in this draft. And I mean, I, you got to hide him as a run defender. But if, if you use him, you know, if you're creative with how you use him, and mm-hmm. I, I think that that's something that could potentially work. And, you know, when you look at it, who's the new uh, head coach, Brandon Staley, coming over from, you know, the Rams, watching his defense in L.A., just the different ways he will he will use personnel to uh, confuse the offense. Chris Rumpf 
is, you know, we talk about gadget players on offense. He's that gadget player on defense where you can use him in different ways and maybe get a little creative. So I, I cannot wait to see how Brandon Staley uses a, a, Rump, a guy like Rumpf who has so much pass rush potential. You just have to be a little creative with how you deploy him. Yeah, uh, I think Chris Rumpf, I mean, the reason I love him is because I see a lot of guys who they get college production, but you don't see NFL pass rush moves. You don't see NFL sacks. In other words, it's mm-hmm. one thing to see a college sack. It's another thing to see a sack that really wasn't you're doing when you're unblocked or slide protection and, and quarterback doesn't get rid of it and you run a free runner and you sack the quarterback. Great. It's another thing when you have a sack where it's the pocket extends and you get a sack after three and a half, four seconds. I mean, great hustle, but that's not a winning play necessarily where you won, where you beat your guy. At some point, when the pocket breaks down and a quarterback moves, there's nothing an offensive lineman can do. So, but when you look at, when you think about this, when you think about the ability um, of Chris Rumpf to number one, he has juice off the edge. Number two, he's a very unorthodox, awkward body type guy because he's a linear body type. So when he gets hit, he doesn't have that, you know, he's got a high center of gravity. He doesn't have that wide base with the wide hips. He's going to get knocked off balance. The difference is, a lot of times he's able to find ways to adjust through contact. And even though it doesn't look pretty, all of a sudden you see him slithering around people, sliding around, and he's back in the pocket, bothering the pocket, heckling the pocket. And that's something that I think translates. If you are able to play through contact and find your way there, if you have the instincts and 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 I think he has rush instincts, his dad is a defensive line coach. He clearly has he understands how to flip his hips and get that upper body turn. He's a very loose, limber player in his lower and upper body. I see a lot of projectable stuff. He's weak. He's going to get thrown to the ground from time to time. As you mentioned, not only do you have to hide him, you have to put him in a safe room whenever it's time for a running play. I mean, that's just the way it is. At least if you're going to put him on the, on the ball in the, at the edge, because he's going to get pushed around badly. Now you play him off the ball. He's got a little, He's got some interesting range to to track down from the backside and you know almost like a, a four three almost like a four three will linebacker he can kind of run he doesn't have the same body type but they also have mixer blitzes where they would rush him through the a gaps and he can kind of get skinny and get through there I think he really is a pass rushing joker who's a DPR who you can move DPR meaning de- designated pass rusher who you can move all over the field and. When it's all said and done, I think he's going to be a guy that ends up kind of popping for the um, Chargers fairly quickly. I do think he has that ability to cause problems. Now, once he's there, Dane, so many for all the production he had with sacks and pressures, there's so many sacks he just lets slip through his fingers because he's just not strong enough. Yeah, and he'll continue to get stronger. And, you know, this is a guy that, you know, didn't play football until high school and just, but he has pedigree. You mentioned his dad. There's a lot to like about him in that spot with that coaching staff. So uh, eager to see how that plays out. My number two favorite draft class, uh, Cleveland Browns. Greg Newsom at 26. That was, I, I did a lot of Cleveland radio and podcasts leading up to the draft. And I, I talked about Greg Newsom being the Jedrick Wills of this draft, potentially, meaning the guy that could come in as a rookie and help stabilize a unit on the roster. And so Jedrick Wills did for the Browns last year. And I thought Greg Newsom could do that uh, this year at corner. It's just, would he last the 26? He does. The Browns took him. It's a perfect fit with, you know, with the zone coverage that they run, 
Uh, you look at the, the traits that the Browns look for. He's young, he, the uh, testing numbers, uh, the production. So I think everything just fit perfectly for Newsom in Cleveland. So I love that pick. Awusu Koromo in the second round, obviously there was uh, medical involved. And I was told that it wasn't necessarily something that they were worried about. It was more just a lack of information. That's what the problem was. It was a killer for a lot of players this year. Right. I know Tevin right. Jenkins got hit by that a little bit yep. as well. Aziz Ojolari. Um, yeah, the Terrace Marshall fell because of some medicals. There were more medical fallers this year than any time, and it's simply because there wasn't enough time to get clearance that they yes. were comfortable with. Right, exactly. And so, so for some of these guys, it's in a normal year, they go much higher than they did because there's more time to get that information, which is just a really interesting spin on this year's process. And we'll have to see how ultimately it plays out. But nonetheless, the Browns get a steal with Owusu Koromo at 52 overall. What do you think about Anthony Schwartz at 91 overall? I mean, obviously the the speed is, that that's why you draft him. But did you th- did you see him as a top 100 player? And no. what what do you think his ceiling is uh, as an NFL? Do you, do you think he could be a starter in the, for the Browns? Not not this year, but down the road. I think it's possible. My that's an so that's a really good question. Here's what I think happened. I think Anthony. I think for me, Anthony Schwartz. In many years, he might have been a fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. For me, this year with his speed, I look at him as what I would call 6.0, which is a developmental player with a special trait. And that would be speed. So I thought he was a fourth round pick this year. But what happened was we had a rare rare year where a guy sub 5'10", Jalen Waddle was taken in the top 10. Devontae Smith at 166 pounds was taken in the top 10. Tutu Atwell weighed 149 pounds <laughs> at his combine weigh-in and was drafted in the second round. That was surprising. I was shocked. Dwayne yeah. Eskridge, sub 5'10". Another fast guy drafted in the second round. Rondell Moore mm-hmm. averaged 7.7 yards per catch this year. Uh, his best tape is in 2018, second round. So what happened was I think speed was the winner. Fast guys, no matter their size, were getting drafted at least around early, earlier than they would in, more, in most drafts. And I think that ended up pushing Schwartz up. That's why I think he ended up going in the third, because I don't think he's a guy you would typically take in the third. He doesn't have very good hands. But I also think Mm-mm. Auburn didn't do a very good job of finding the best ways to utilize him. Now, right. maybe there's nothing they can do, and that's just who he is. And and because he's not a typical gadget guy where he takes jet sweeps and is really a wiggle guy. He's still more of a straight line speedster. But I do get... I am really intrigued to see what Cleveland can do with him because I feel like there's more meat on the bone and that his best football could be ahead of him with the Browns if they figure this out. For a guy with his speed, he had 117 catches in college. Only 11, 11 went over 25 yards. Like for a guy with that speed, you just expect more big plays. Uh, and I mean, I agree with what you said. He had like, eight drops it was the official number for him last season. Not the most natural hands catcher. You see focus lapses. But I do think that your your other point is spot on when you look at that Auburn offense and you think, okay, what can this guy be when you remove him from that offense, that quarterback situation? Basically, this is a pick for 2022, I think. I mean, he'll get on the field this year. They'll manufacture some touches for him. I mean, just the threat of his speed out there should impact the well, offense. I think he's got a chance to be a phenomenal gunner, too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. On a uh, punt cover team. And that's something that we never talk about as, as draft guys and fans not, never not think enough. about. It's a major, major deal for teams. No no question. But I think when the Browns are looking forward, as they're mapping out their 2022 depth chart, 
that wide receiver depth chart is going to look a lot different. You know, Jarvis Landry might not be there. Odell Beckham might not be there. So this is a pick where they're going to try and develop a guy to be a potential starter uh, entering his second year in the league. And so I don't know that we're going to see much production from him this year, but I understand why they did it. I mean, he had more rushing touchdowns than receiving touchdowns in his career, which says something about him, says something about the offense. So just really interested to see uh, or track his development this year and then going into round two. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The third team for me, be interested to hear your thoughts on this team, the Detroit Lions. They went trenches early with Penny Sewell in the first. Obviously, you know, you and I both... Uh, like that pick. Uh, and then their next two picks, defensive line, Levi Onzerike at 41, Aleem McNeil at 72, both defensive tackles. They're both a little different uh, with what they do, but they both, uh, there's a lot to like there with uh, their athleticism, their play violence. And then Ifiatu Melifanwu in the in pick 101, Amon Ross St. Brown in the fourth round, Derek Barnes also in the fourth round, and then Jamar Jefferson. So I, the Lions didn't have a ton of draft capital, but I thought they really maximized almost every pick with what, what they did. And for a rebuilding team, they I think they got a lot better through this draft. Man, I, I really, I was a big fan as well. Um, great job by Brad Holmes to sit there and Sewell fell to you. It was, it was a need that, you know, you, you want to build the trenches. So you get two different types of defensive tackles in a second. You get a three technique and a nose with uh, Onzerike and, and Aleem McNeil, who, by the way, the McNeil selection is what pissed off Tom Donahoe in the uh, Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles war room when they moved back and McNeil got got drafted ahead of them and they ended up with uh, Milton Williams. But today's Sewell first round, Onzerike and uh, Aleem McNeil. I mean, you're building trenches. And then Milifonwu is to me, a better version of what they already had at that position. He's longer. He's, he's long, he's faster. He's more aggressive. He's a great athlete. I just think just a really good, um, just a really good addition there with the third pick of the draft. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, I think like third round. To, I'm sorry, third round pick. Yeah, I, I feel like we have to talk about their division rivals, uh, the Chicago Bears, trading up for Justin Fields. I mean, you and I both had issues with Fields, uh, but we both really like the traits. We both really like the talent uh, and what he could be. And if you're the Bears, if you're you know Pace and Nagy. Uh, you have to make this move and in one fell swoop, maybe they just changed the narrative of, you know, how they're going to be remembered drafting quarterbacks, uh, you know, if the, if fields ends up hitting, but then they come back in the second round and you only have two picks in the first four rounds, but to come away with Justin Fields and then Tevin Jenkins in the second round, pretty, pretty impressive Jenkins. I know there are a few issues, uh, both, you know, off the field and then medical that caused his slide a little bit. But, you know, you, they're rolling the dice here on a good player. So, you know, coming up to get fields, it'll be interesting to see how early we see him this rookie year. Mm-hmm. But uh, easy to understand the optimism among the Bears fan base right now. Okay, so I do want to say this. I feel like the Justin Fields, the legend of Justin Fields has grown substantially since his last game. Right. Where everyone seems to be like, especially from a national media thing, seems to be trying to rescue him from the you know, from the tower where they're, where they're worried that people are coming after him and taking undue shots. It's all part of the process. It's nothing to sweat teams do their work. It's, I guess the whole national narrative where you have to fight back and forth about stuff that is irrelevant to teams. I guess that's fine. But I I do think Justin Fields has like, he's not a lock to be a great quarterback, despite some of the things I'm hearing. uh, There's, there's still some holes in his game that he's really going to have to work on. I mean, and you and I watched all the throws against, Northwestern, all the throws against Indiana. We watched all the great throws against Nebraska, all the great throws against Clemson, not as good against Alabama. Um, we watched them all. And, you know, there's there's a lot of really good and there's some not as good. And so he still needs work. He's been two years as a starter. That's the way it goes. I see the talent. I obviously put a good grade on him. But um, I, I, I do think that I get why there's so much excitement coming from Chicago, because to go from the 25th pick to Justin Fields is outstanding. And let me tell you what it is reminiscent of. I thought entirely through this process, through the entire process, the one thing that was maybe interesting is that Justin Fields has taken a few more bullets than other quarterbacks because we have more tape on them and we Mm. could nitpick them more. That also happened to Deshaun Watson before that draft. So before Deshaun Watson was drafted, we had two great games against Alabama, including a national championship win and 400 yards of total offense against against that same uh, team, same defense in back to back years. You could make the case that, you know, Deshaun Watson took on way too much water for having a guy who had that kind of background. But we had three years and we nitpicked him a little bit as a as a general as a general rule. And yet the Texans moved up and grabbed him at the number 12 selection. The, from, from the back of the draft, the Chicago Bears moved up from the back of the draft, maybe in the same spot at 25. I, I can't remember where the Texans were. Moved up to number 11. There's a lot of similarities between the journey of Justin Fields and the journey of Deshaun Watson before they were drafted. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, and obviously, time will tell how this Deshaun, Deshaun Watson situation plays out in Houston and then you know how Justin Fields' career plays out in, in, in Chicago. I Hopefully they just give him, you know, Fields the a little more support on the coaching staff. Uh, you know, obviously we know that Nagy's on the hot seat, but you know, hopefully they give the quarterback some some support so he's able to develop and, and figure this out. Um, and 
you know, I, in my 2022 mock draft, I had Houston picking number one uh, and taking a quarterback. Just it's it's hard it's hard to kind of wade through that right now. But um, let's okay, that's the positive. Let's talk a little bit about the negative of some of these classes. Uh, so coming in at 32 on my favorite draft classes was uh, speaking of Houston, mm-hmm. <laughs> your team, uh, and obviously part of this, uh, a large part, is just the lack of draft capital. I mean, it's going to be hard to have a draft class that could be one of your favorites when you don't have a pick in the first two rounds. Um, and, you know, and I actually like Davis Mills quite a bit. And so, you know, I, I didn't hate that pick. It's pretty telling that when your first pick in a draft is a quarterback, um, you know, that, that, that was definitely an interesting part of this. But uh, just looking at what they did throughout the draft, you know, Nico Collins uh, and Brevin Jordan, su- surprised uh, Jordan fell that far. But still, I mean, I, I, I don't know. The Texans came in at 32. Any any issues with that? Yeah, uh, no. I mean, they they were they had the worst draft and it was a very disappointing draft for me. I thought, you know, what doesn't make sense to me is, you know, you're not going to be a good team. Well, maybe you don't know. Let me tell you, you're going to be <laughs> bad next year. So next year, you're going to be bad. Terod Taylor is your one-year Band-Aid plug-in. You traded a sixth-round pick for Ryan Finley as the backup. So now you have three quarterbacks on the roster counting Deshaun Watson. He'll be suspended maybe for the entire year. So you needed a third quarterback. I get that. I totally get that. But you are not going to be good next year. You are at some point going to move Deshaun Watson for multiple first-round picks. I'm just telling you that is what's going to happen. You, We can act like, we just never know. We never know what he could be arrested. He's not going to be arrested. He's going to, this is going to get settled. And then he's going to be available to be drafted after or traded after June 1st. They'll cut down some of the money that they're going to have to hit. You know, some of the cap hit that they're going to have to take on at some point. Deshaun Watson will be dealt. So before next year's draft, you're going to have a lot more draft capital. Now, if you tell me we drafted Davis Mills because we wanted to add quarterback competition at the quarterback spot. I mean, I get it in a general year. That's fine. So so don't tell me that Davis Mills is just a guy that you think can add competition with Terod Taylor, who's a veteran, and 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 Ryan Finley, who you traded a, a an extra draft, but traded a draft pick for. Don't tell me that. You drafted Davis Mills because you believe that he could become a future starter for you. And with all the draft capital in next year's class, I guess you're kind of telling me you don't think that you're going to find a player better than him next year, because my concern is that if you drafted him for competition, that means you think he could be a backup. And while I think that would be fine in most years with most teams, and I thought they drafted him about where he should get drafted. I just think for the Texans, it doesn't make sense to draft a guy who may be your future backup with a first pick that you have in the draft and an early third rounder when you had needs at cornerback and a guy like Milifanwu is still on the board. Paulson Adebo is still on the board. You had needs at defensive tackle. Alim McNeil is on the board. Uh, and, you know, in terms of a run stuffer, you just had better football players who could have potentially been early starters for you. And you passed for a quarterback who has 11 starts under his belt and is somewhat of a developmental quarterback when next year you're going to have a ton of draft capital and you're likely to have an early pick, which could be a quarterback pick. If it doesn't preclude you from drafting quarterback, that's great. But then you're going to look back and say, well, I guess we got a backup now on Davis Mills. I mean, I just thought it made no sense at all. Moving up, 
eradicating draft capital to move up and end up with Garrett Wallow to end up with Nico Collins, who I liked, but I just, I just thought Nick Casario, when it was all said and done, I think he's going to look back at this and say, wow, I really wish I had that one over. I did not handle that one the way I wish I would have. I, it just doesn't match up with the timeline of this team. And I, I like Davis Mills, but I don't know that there's anything that he's going to be able to do this season that's going to stop you from drafting a quarterback in the top three picks next year, assuming that's where they end up. You know, like, I mean, exactly. There's going to, it's going to take time. Uh, you know, I, I do think three years from now, I think Davis Mills could be starting in the league. I, I, he, I think he has that talent, but I just don't think he's going to be able to do enough this season as a rookie that's going to stop you from drafting who, you know, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, whoever, whoever you like. And so it, it's just a really curious, pick uh that you know to your point you could could have got a lot better at a different position whether that's yeah one of these corners or a pass rusher i think was uh, joseph osai was still there i think i mean they could have got better somewhere else so a uh, definitely a surprising pick I, the raiders the steelers the rams all were towards the bottom of my favorite uh classes uh just it, were, was not fans of what they what they were doing a couple other teams towards the top and, you know, you can hit on one or two of these if one stands out to you. The the Panthers like what they did with Horn. The Jaguars, obviously, with all the picks that they had. Uh, it, by the way, I really appreciate Urban Meyer's uh, honesty uh, talking about how. I couldn't believe pick, it. I, I couldn't either. It's it usually, you know, like the Cowboys are a great example of saying how, oh, yeah, Micah Parsons, he was our top guy. No, you wanted a corner. You missed out on the corner. You took Micah Parsons. That's fine. Everybody knows it. You don't need to lie about it. Right. But uh, credit to uh, Urban Meyer saying they were heartbroken when uh, Kadarius Toney was drafted ahead of them. Uh, You know, I don't know how Travis Etienne feels about that. but And that was a little bit of a curious pick. But regardless, you know, the Jaguars, with having that many picks in, in the top 100, uh, they were an easy winner. Same thing with the Dolphins, uh, with all the picks they had early. You know, I think they get better at safety with Javon Holland. You obviously get better with uh, with Waddle and Jalen Phillips. You know, I think he might be, he could be the favorite for defensive rookie of the year early on. Um, and then I want to mention the Jets because I tell you what, man, uh, you look at what they what this franchise failed to do under Sam Darnold. Supporting him with a, you know, the a cast of weapons, the offensive line. And what has Joe Douglas done in the first two years? Three picks in the in the in the in the first round in two years. He drafts the quarterback and then two offensive linemen. He has two uh, picks in the second round. Was he draft two wide receivers? Denzel Mims last year and Elijah Moore this year. He is adding talent around the quarterback. I mean, he's basically telling uh, Zach Wilson, "This is on us to sur- surround you with the talent so we can develop you and you could be successful." And it's just a stark. A uh, change of course from what Jets fans have been used to the last few years. So you know, I, I know not everybody was thrilled with the trade up to get Elijah Vera Tucker, but I don't trading two third rounders well, who's to go upset? up. And, who's I, upset about it? What, what was I, it? Okay, what did they give up? What did they give up? Uh, sixty six and eighty something. I mean, it, to me, I love it. This is you're g- coming up to get a guy who is the best guard in the draft. Yeah, high floor, high ceiling. You know, if he, he he could turn out to be you know a Zach Martin type, that's possible uh, on his trajectory. But if he doesn't, he's still going to be a rock solid pro. And you, what's the quickest way that Chris Ballard has rebuilt the Indian a, a bad roster with the Colts? 
What's the yeah. quickest way that he did it? He yeah. built the trenches. That's it. He built the trenches. And Joe and Rex Hogan, who's the assistant GM, was with Ballard over there in Indianapolis before he became assistant GM. And Joe Douglas, I know, believes in the same thing. Man, build the trenches. Makai Becton, followed by Elijah Vera Tucker. I love that. You mentioned Elijah Moore. This is one of the safest wide receivers in the entire draft to me personally. And then Michael Carter, high football uh, character, high personal character, versatile, can be a three down backup for you. Maybe a three down starter can be a third down back returns kicks. And then your next six picks are all defense. Like this was, this is what you call, this is a blueprint for a draft. You went in saying, all right, we go offense early. We go defense late. Yeah. I loved what they did. Uh, Michael Carter, I and I do a weekly podcast with the the, the Jets folks over at Jets.com. And my final mock, I, I put Michael Carter to them in the fourth round. And I didn't feel great about it because I didn't think he was gonna get there. But uh love that pick. That's exactly what they needed in that backfield, uh, you know, to go with P. Ryan and Tevin Coleman and, and that group. Uh, you know, he he just adds a little di- bit of a different element. And you look at Mike LaFleur, what we think his offense is going to look like. Uh, we don't know. He's never been a, a true coordinator before, but you know, the Kyle Shanahan influence, uh, you know, Matt uh, LaFleur, the, uh, his brother. I, I think when you look at Michael Carter and the weapon, he could potentially be uh, uh, with that scheme. I think it makes a lot of sense. And then, yeah, you mentioned the, on day three, the defense, two really long safeties, Jamie and Sherwood, Homsen, Nigel Dean, that they're probably going to move the linebacker. Uh, regardless, they should help out on special teams. Athletes at in the uh, defensive back with Michael Carter, Jason Pinnock, and Brandon Eccles, all guys that are you know tested really well. And then Jonathan Marshall uh, on the defensive line, who had a great senior year and really put himself in this position to be drafted. So uh, I thought the, the Jets were definitely high. Uh, yeah, or, they did know, a great job. Yeah, they were in my top 10. I think they were like seven or, yeah, seven. So a great, great haul for the Jets. Can I ask you one more team? Yeah, what do you got? Pittsburgh Steelers. Najee Harris in round one, Fairmuth in round two, Kendrick Green in round three, Dan Moore in round four, Buddy Johnson in round four, and then they went Loudermilk, uh, Roche, uh, Trey Norwood, Presley Harvin. Now, I don't think I don't think Trey Norwood makes the team. Har- no. Har- Presley Harvin has a chance to be the the most chunky, sassy punter in the history of football. If you haven't yeah. seen him, he's super sassy. All 260 pounds. All to, at least. That, that's yeah, that's generous. yeah. And he can, by the way, throw it well. So he can he can bust you up with uh, fake punts. Roche has got a chance to be a hard playing, tough guy stealer, but I think he's there's yeah. just limited. Louder he's a, a make-it player. Louder milk actually fits for what the Steelers like. Um, mm-hmm. I was a big fan of Buddy Johnson. I think Buddy's got some really good tape. He's a tough guy, can be a great special teams player and a good backup with maybe a chance to become an eventual starter. I want to get your talk, your take on the top four, though. Dan Moore working backwards. Dan Moore, Kendrick Green, Freermuth, and then um, obviously Najee Harris. What do you think of what the Steelers did? See, I didn't love it just because I, I Kendrick Green was my favorite pick of, of those four. Uh, big Kendrick Green fan. His movement skills, his twitch, really outstanding. He could play guard. He could play center. I, I loved that pick for the Steelers. Now I, I think you know they passed on Miners to get him, which is a little bit of a surprise. I thought Miners was maybe a little bit better fit, but I, nonetheless, I, I still like the uh, the fit because I like the player. This running game was historically bad last year. And I'm just, I'm not sure how much Najee Harris is going to be able to fix that just on running back alone. And so I don't know that I love the pick. Now, I like the player, 
but I just don't know if I love the pick there in the first round. I, I know obviously they've got a small window here with Ben Roethlisberger. You know, a guy like Najee Harris is going to make the run game better. There's no doubt about that. And his ability as a pass catcher out of the backfield, it, it, it fits what they want to do. That short passing game that fits uh, not only the offense, but what Ben is as a quarterback right now makes a ton of sense. Also, Pat Fryermuth. There's nothing special about Pat Fryermuth, but he's just a rock solid player who can block for you. He can. He's really a dependable pass catcher. So I think it fits the identity of the 2021 Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, what the identity of this team looks like in 2022 and 2023, I don't know. And so you could make the argument this is a very short-sighted draft in a lot of ways, just with the way they attacked for this upcoming season. And hey, it might work out. It might be uh, adding Najee Harris could help unlock something in the run game that they were missing last year that made it so bad. Pat Fryermuth gives them more of a presence uh, in the middle of the field and you know, a more reliable guy. So maybe this ends up working out, but just I didn't love it uh, as much as you know, maybe some of the different directions I would have gone. So, mm-hmm. but I understand why they went this route. It, it's very Steelers-like. Yeah. No, it's a Steelers draft without question. So, yeah, I was just curious about your thoughts on that because I just didn't feel like there was the ability to tighten up the run game mm-hmm. via the offensive line at that 24 selection. So, and I think once the Steelers get set up with their draft board, that's that. They A, they don't care what anyone else is doing. They have yeah. no desire to know what anyone else is doing or care what anyone else is doing. So once you kind of get locked in on who the Steelers may take, and you know, we had seen that with Najee Harris, everyone had him mocked there. Let me guess. Did you have Najee Harris mocked there? Oh yeah. Of course you did. We all did. And guess what? We were right because the Steelers are kind of predictable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This, uh, this was uh, the best mock draft I've ever done. 13, right. And that Najee Harris going to the Steelers, uh, that was part of that because there were several teams that I thought were very predictable, uh, including Pittsburgh at 24. Okay, let's finish this up with, let's do a fit outside the first round that you really like, or maybe not even that you like, but you're really excited to watch. Uh, I'll, go, I'll go first. Uh, the Cardinals with Rondale Moore. Uh, I mean, you can already see that Murray to Moore connection. I'm excited to see how that plays out. They really wanted to get more dynamic out of the slot. Uh, And and so I'm excited to see Kyler Murray to Rondale Moore. Uh, That's one of those fun matchups that has a chance to be, you know, hit right away uh, this upcoming season. What, what, What about you? Was there a fit somewhere outside the first round that really clicked for you or something that you're excited to watch this upcoming season? Uh, yeah, I actually think Kylan, Kylan Granson. Yeah. With the Colts fourth round. I know he's going to fly under the radar. And I had some issues when I was watching him just like, well, what is he? I mean, he's not really a, a tight end. He's not a move tight end. He's not a fullback. It's what Rake wants though. That's the thing. Exactly. Once I figured out, wait a minute, he's Jordan Reed. He's, Mm -hmm. he's, um, who was it that they got the, um, Burton, um, Trey Burton, Trey Burton. This is who they want. This is exactly what they want. And I'm just kind of looking at Kylan Granson and realizing, wow, he is such a good athlete. This could be the type of guy that really unlocks or or maybe gets helps to get, um, you know, Frank Reich to unlock Carson Wentz back to the original version. I think he is a sneaky good pick in the fourth round. Now, I also love their second round pick, but you said, who you're excited to see this year. I don't think Dayo uh, Odiengbo, is that how it's pronounced? Odangbo, yeah. Odangbo, yeah. I don't think, I think he's going to be more of a redshirt this year, but in terms of picks outside of the second round, 
Oh man, is that an intriguing one? I don't know what you thought of his tape, Dane. I don't think we spent much time talking about him, but there are flashes where you say, whoa, like I think his upside could be higher than Quiddy Pays as a rusher. Me personally. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. And I mean, that's why I, I still thought he was going day two because uh, he, before the injury, he was a top 50 player. And, you know, even with that Achilles, you thought, okay, maybe a one round discount. And, you know, he went even higher than I think some people thought. But whatever he gives you this year is going to be great. But coming back next year in 2022 is where he's really going to make an impact. And he's still raw in areas, but the explosiveness and the length for a guy that size, uh, whether you play him inside, can play him outside. I I, I definitely understand the intrigue with a guy like that. that, Ballard couldn't help himself with that pick. Just with what he values at the position um, makes a lot of sense. What about a player who maybe fell like – uh, a little bit further than they should have. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Quinn Miners before, and that's a good one. What about Stone Forsyth, you know, our guy from Florida. Mm. Why, why did he, six round? I mean, so you want me to tell you the real knock on him since we're doing prospects to pros? I'll tell you the real knock. Have you heard the knock on him? Well, I mean, besides like, on the field or off the field? Uh, either one. Well, I mean, I, he's not a great run blocker. I mean, that's, right, right, right. No, yeah. No, no, run blocking's not good, but you get right. paid in this league to be a good pass blocker, and he's sure. a great pass blocker. So I guess I guess I could say on slash off the field. You don't want to know the knock. I can say it here because it's not like a it's not anything bad. What do you it's got? just some teams think that he's just soft and mm-hmm. that he has a just too soft a demeanor for the offensive line. That's the knock on him that he is that he is a guy who is just not a dog and may have a hard time fitting into some offensive line rooms. I heard it from three different teams. So it's not anything that's brand new. Obviously, this is something that more than one team has a concern with. I don't know the kid. I don't have the background. I haven't talked to anyone in Florida. I didn't interview him on a Zoom. I just know when I turn the tape on and I see him manhandle Aziz Ojolari, when I watch six foot eight, 330 pounds slide the way he does at left tackle with these long ass arms and he's punching people with good, you know, not only technique, but also timing. Um, I just and a player with that size who has anchor, which is sometimes hard because of the ability for for players to play up under him because the center of gravity is so high. To me, he's a second or third round talent. I expected him to get drafted late third, early fourth for him to slide to Seattle where he did. I think they've got a long time starter now, you know, the. The mental makeup, once again, not character. I've never heard any, anyone right. say a, a bad thing about the character. But if you're going to question toughness, all right, I, I got you. I, I don't know about all that stuff. But I can just tell you this. If he just plays football and is focused and, and gets after it and is, and is tough enough mentally, I'm not worried about the physical football stuff at all. I'm not. I know he's not going to be a great run blocker, and right. I don't know how he fits with an outside zone scheme, but I do know this. Russell Wilson's about to be protected better. I do know that <laughs> if he wins a job. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and Seattle only had three picks, which, you know, is surprising. I thought they would try to maneuver and get more picks, but they come away with three pretty good players with Dwayne Eskridge in the second, Trey Brown in the fourth, who I liked a lot of Oklahoma, and Stone Forsyth in the sixth round. So, uh, you know, credit Schneider and that crew for, I, I thought, maximizing their picks, even though they didn't have many of them. I mean, plenty of surprises. You know, Nashawn Wright going in the top 100 at Oregon State. Where'd you have him graded? Seventh PFA. Yeah. I like the player now. I like the tape, but I just didn't. I thought he looked too slow on tape. I did not think he had enough speed. I mean, he he was a former wide receiver. He just, he's still figuring things out. I mean, that's straight. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe it's just not, 
not playing as fast as he can play. Because I don't know. I can't remember what he tested. He tested okay. Did he? Maybe he tested faster than I thought he played. But when I went through all my notes, I saw a guy that I just didn't think had enough burst on the ball. But maybe some of it is instincts as he's continuing to learn. That one was a shocker to me. That one was a shocker. He tested. I mean, what, I, I should let me rephrase that. He tested well in the forty. I mean, he was a four four seven guy. Yeah. But his short shuttle was like one of the worst ever at four five seven. Yeah. Uh, see, I, I just thought the short area burst wasn't good on tape to disrupt right. throws. You, I mean, it's it's rare that your forty uh, yard dash is a lower number than your short shuttle. I mean, that's 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 pretty pretty rare, and <laughs> yeah. that, that's that, that's the case here with uh, Nashawn Wright. Let's wrap this up. Fun three days. It's fun doing the podcast uh, with you, Lance, over these last few months. Uh, we're going to take some time off here uh, as we kind of digest things and before we jump into 2022, but we will be back. Uh, so appreciate everyone out there listening. Special thanks to uh, Kent producing. Lance, it's been fun doing this with you all season long from start to finish. I feel like you know we, we touched on all these guys <laughs> more than once uh, with, in most cases, but it was a lot of fun to do it. And so really appreciate you uh, joining me to do this this year. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And I've always had a, a great deal of respect for you. I think we see players in a similar way and we, we don't agree on uh, the the opinion on the players. I never It never bothers me because I know our processes are the same. So um, appreciate the smart uh, uh, draft talk and hopefully people have been entertained and, and, uh, and, and gleaned some knowledge from our discussions and really enjoyed it. Oh, really? It's been my pleasure. And so let's come back next year and do it, do it even better. So hopefully you guys all be with us. Uh, we'll, we'll keep you updated on Prospects of Pros uh, when we're coming back and when we're going to hit on some more things. But uh, in the meantime, always appreciate, uh, subscribe, rate, comment, and that'll do it. Until next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.